0: All right, who loves a summer barbecue as much as I do? Listen, if you want to impress everyone with some super yummy dishes, you need ButcherBox in your life. ButcherBox is my go-to subscription box that delivers high-quality meat and seafood to your door with free shipping always. And I'm talking high-quality cuts at an amazing value. 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. We are saving so much money every month with ButcherBox over going to the grocery store and buying meat and seafood and saving a lot of time. But get this, last month we saved nearly $200. I also love that ButcherBox curates these tips and recipes that are based on your box so you know what to cook. I made the most amazing steak with a basil sauce the other night. And oh, let me tell you, my friends all raved at how amazing it tasted. I'm definitely going to be pulling that recipe out. If you want great meat and seafood in your life, you need ButcherBox. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com ETM and use code ETM at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year. Plus get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com ETM and use code ETM. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The hosts, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, how do you start investing with a thousand bucks, where they explain how you get started right away, and back to basics of building your portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to
1: podcasts. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market?
0: Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination?
1: We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. the saving that uh, you need to do. If you haven't started in your 20s, then you can start in your 30s. If you haven't started in your 30s, you can start in your 40s. If you haven't started in your 40s, you can still start in your 50s.
0: Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. When you take a peek at your retirement savings, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel about how much you saved? Excited? Freaked out? Or maybe somewhere in between? All right, no matter how you feel about your retirement savings, the truth is the system was set up to work well for only a very small group of people. The American retirement system, according to our guest Martin Bailey, author of the new book, The Retirement Challenge, is completely obsolete. So the logical question is, why did this happen?
1: We were moving towards a system where everybody had a, a pension. Uh, we hadn't reached it. Only about a half people of people had of workers had pensions. Uh, but that's what the, the goal was, that everyone would have uh, a pension, work at a job, and then uh, retire and get a pension from that job.
0: The system might not be the best, for sure. But saving for retirement is ultimately up to you. So in this episode, Martin shares the history and the future of our retirement system, what to do if you haven't saved as much as you would like to, and dives deep into the question of, will Social Security actually be here for me? More than anything, I think his advice here is what really matters.
1: If you take the right steps, and it doesn't mean you have to do them today or tomorrow, but if you eventually take the right steps, you can ensure yourself a nice, secure retirement. That is within your grasp.
0: Real quick before we jump into the conversation, I just want to talk to you about the sponsors of this podcast. You know, it's my job to bring you only the best companies and products that I believe will help you live a better life, save some time and money, and help you build and protect your cash. So to do that, I personally vet every single sponsor to make sure they are Shauna approved These sponsors help keep this show free to you and allow us to bring on some amazing guests to help you on your money journey. So here's where you come in. I need you to do me a favor and like and support the sponsors on this show that you love so we can keep this podcast growing for years. You can find all the links in the show notes to all our sponsors along with a special code for all of our ETM discounts and deals. Thanks so much, my friend. Into the episode we go. We have done a lot of episodes over the last eight years all about saving for retirement, but we really haven't done a deep dive into the retirement system as a whole. And I think this is such a fascinating topic and something that everybody needs to to really learn about and understand how this works. And you say that the, the retirement system is obsolete, that it only works for a small percentage of people. You have this this great book out called The Retirement Challenge, where you go really in depth of the retirement system. But just to start us out, Martin, you know, why is the retirement system obsolete? And why haven't there any been any changes made?
1: Well, the retirement system is uh, obsolete. I guess that's a strong word. But we were moving towards a system where everybody had uh, a pension. Uh, we hadn't reached it. Only about a half people of people had, of workers had pensions. Uh, but that's what the, the goal was, that everyone would have uh, a pension, work at a job, and then uh, retire and get a pension from that job. And that would be then supplemented by Social Security and to some extent by private saving as well. That was the so-called three-legged stool of uh, retirement. But uh, companies are now, private companies certainly, and even to some extent the public sector, are really uh, getting rid of their pension programs. And so much more of retirement has really been pushed back onto families. We have families now have to make that decision to both save and then manage their retirement saving uh, so that they can uh, flourish during the retirement years. It's also the case that people are living longer. So uh, that has has been a change too.
0: And when that shift was made where you now have to take the onus on yourself to save for retirement, and I want to go deeper into that in just a little bit, but when that shift happened, um, what we're seeing, you you know better than I do, but people are not saving for retirement. So they they have this option available. And I know that the government's trying to do all sorts of things to try and figure out how to, you know, auto enroll people into retirement savings, but the numbers are showing that we're not saving. Is that, is that correct?
1: Well, some are, some aren't. Uh, certainly, upper income people and even uh, some middle income people are doing pretty well at saving. And if you ask uh, how big is the kitty for retirement uh, saving, it's about uh, between 20 and 25 trillion dollars uh, nationally. So there's quite a bit of money there. And then, of course, people, a lot of people own their own homes. And so that's an asset that can be used and people have other savings as well. So there are some people that are saving, but unfortunately, as you correctly say, uh, not everyone is saving. There are a lot of people that really don't have uh, very much money. Um, and even those that are saving in so-called 401k type plans, that's a, a plan that uh, works through saving uh, through your employer. Uh, the average size of the of that amount is not very large. I think there was a report said for people over sixty five, the average amount was about eighty seven thousand dollars, which doesn't going to get you very far in terms of uh, lasting a retirement for twenty or thirty years. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, yes, so people are saving. Some people are pretty well uh, looked after, um, but many people do not have enough in saving. And there is another problem that I'd I'd like to address, which is that even those that are saving aren't necessarily feeling secure because they don't uh, know how long they're going to live. So how long their savings are going to have to last. Uh, They don't know about whether they're going to need end-of-life care, whether they're going to need to go into a a nursing home and how they're going to manage that. Um, So even um, even those that, and, and of course, the uncertainties of the Equity markets, uh, as we've experienced in the last year or so, uh, there's still a lot of uncertainty, even for those that have saved,
0: and even uh, you know we have a wide range of listeners on this show. People who are uh, just out of college and kind of getting started, and then people who are fifties and sixties and and nearing retirement. So we have we have a very wide range of listeners, Uh, but you know I'm thinking even um, younger younger people. Who I've heard a lot from, you know, where they're like, they. Let me take this over. So a lot of the younger listeners are uh, sending questions in and really curious about why should they start saving from a very young age? You know, most of them have seen what happened in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and you know, kind of the what just happened with the markets the last couple of years, uh, coming out of COVID, and they they're really nervous about putting money away. Uh, particularly invested in the stock market for retirement and they 're thinking you know if i 'm in my twenties, why do I need to worry about saving for retirement now? What do you have to say to to those that are younger they 're listening
1: well uh, I hope i'm first of all i 'm glad that you 're getting those inquiries and that uh, the people in your listeners are at least thinking about the problem and what they should uh, do about it and I understand both the fact that uh, retirement seems a long way off. nobody really wants to think about being 60 70 or 80 um, when you're young and active and and uh, that's uh, that's far away and and obviously the uncertainty in markets uh makes people nervous so I understand very much the comments that you're receiving what i would say is if you are able to set a bit aside every uh every month or whenever you get a paycheck and do that consistently maybe in your 20s, maybe you start in your 30s, or even in your 40s, if you haven't uh, started already, um, that will put you in, in, uh, you'll be able to have a nice secure retirement. Um, Obviously, we're going to talk about some of the other problems, but basically by saving consistently over your lifetime, that will allow you to have that secure retirement. Now, if you're young, you've got a lot of other demands. Maybe you're getting married, maybe you're having children, Uh, maybe you're building your career, maybe you're changing careers, something like that. Those things obviously have to be taken into account. You have to uh, address all of those issues. Maybe you have uh, student loans to to pay off, so there are many other demands of on on saving, but if you can manage to just set a little bit aside, then there is this sort of magic of compound uh, interest uh, that allows that to accumulate over time, so that when you do come to retire, when you are ready to uh, end your career or or think about uh, uh, moving to something different. Uh, then you, you'll have that money uh, available. Now, the stock market does go up and down. Uh, obviously, that's uh, that's unsettling. Um, but uh, in the long run, uh, the American stock market has done well. Yes, we've had big downturns as we did in 2009 and as we experienced uh, this past year. And even now, things are, are still fairly uncertain. But my message there, I think, is don't panic if the market uh, starts to go down. If you can hang in there, not pull money out, and just keep saving consistently, then you will, in the end, do well. In fact, when the market goes down, as it did uh, last year and has been uh, vacillating a bit this year, then if you're a young person, then saving uh, may actually... uh, be that's a good time to save because the chances are the market will eventually recover i don't know when uh, but i think it will eventually recover and you'll do well out of the money you've set aside
0: so kind of sticking along that that theme for here for a minute you know are there stages to to saving and planning for retirement when we're in our you know 30s 40s and 50s or are those years just all about Let's put as much money as we can into our retirement vehicles and, and save as much as we can in the system that we have available to us.
1: Um. I think it's there are other priorities that need to be weighed. Uh, I don't want to sort of give very specific uh, advice as to how much you should save or how much you should put into other things. I think people, uh, you need to uh, maybe get some professional advice if you can. Try to get some unbiased professional advice. Um, and then you need to weigh off. Um, do I want to buy a house? I think for most people, that's a good investment to, to make that you can live in the house and then it will have value for you, uh, going forward. Uh, obviously if you have student loans, they will need to be, uh, gradually, uh, repaid. So I think uh, there aren't sort of a golden rule. Um, but if you've got a, uh, if you in a job uh, where they're offering you a retirement plan, and hopefully it's a plan where the employer will make a matching contribution. So if you have an employer that will say, we'll match what you put in up to 5% of your salary, then I would strongly recommend that you put at least 5% into that uh, 401k or, or, or uh, there are other similar plans like 401k plans. So you you certainly want to take advantage of the matches that uh, the employer provides. Divides. And even if the, the you don't have an employer that's matching or if you need to set up your own IRA, maybe you're self-employed or working in the gig economy, then I think trying to uh, at least get uh, a modest amount, uh, maybe 5% or so of your income uh, into that saving account and do that consistently. Because you do get one advantage that those savings can occur out of pre-tax income. So the amount that's taken out of your paycheck or the amount that you set aside uh, from your earnings is um, will go straight into the, the saving pool uh, and doesn't cost you as much in terms of your Actual take-home pay, so there is a tax break that you get associated with with it, as well as perhaps the match that your employer makes.
0: I love that tax breaks and matches—two <laughs> favorite words. Um, let's go back a little bit to to the retirement system. You, you talked about it being obsolete. I'm, I'm curious, Martin, what would a good retirement system look
1: like? <laughs> Well, we think uh, the best approach is not to make uh, really drastic changes in our current system. I mean, there may be a case for some uh, drastic changes. There are people who think we should have a kind of national retirement like the Europeans uh, tend to do. Uh, but those uh, those have created problems in Europe in, in recent years. So we don't do that. And in any case, even if you do support that kind of more drastic Uh, plan, it really is not going to go through Congress. So you have to be realistic. So the changes that that we describe uh, are ones that we think are feasible and that would make a great deal of difference so the first one is making sure that everyone has access to a 401k type plan it doesn't have to be 401k exactly but but that idea and that has actually been making some progress uh, we did see in the in recent legislation that there are greater incentives for companies to uh, set up such uh, such plans so the number of plans should uh, increase um there are also uh, 12 states and the city of Seattle that uh, actually uh provide for uh, their residents uh, a, a plan like that so you can um you can save through that uh, that system the state system or the city wow, okay. uh, yeah. system so um th- those are gradually coming uh but at the moment uh, it's only been about a half of uh, workers that have access to those plans and we would like to see um, steps taken that that uh, give, gave everyone access. Ideally, uh, we would like to see uh, the federal government set up a plan so that you can save uh, through that. And this would not be something where the federal government owns your money or anything. It would be done very separately uh, actually from the federal government, sort of like government employees have now the so-called TSP uh, plan. And, um, but uh, that would allow ev- any uh, American who wanted to have a retirement saving plan to be able to do it easily and uh, at reasonably low uh, low cost. So that would be a big, big, big change. Uh, we also think – and again, there have been changes in the law uh, just recently that helped this along – um, that automatic enrollment in some of those uh, retirement uh, plans. So your employer just automatically, when you take the job, you're automatically enrolled in the retirement plan. If you decide that you don't want to belong to it, that's up to you. So you still have discretion to do that, um, but you are enrolled automatically and you have to so-called opt out. That's a system that you may have heard of called nudge, where you're, we're nudging people to Uh, to save towards saving and they can decide they don't want to uh, want to do that. But we think that would uh, help a lot. Um, One of the big things that needs to be done is to reform of the so-called entitlements. um, And uh, sometimes I just sort of bang my head against the wall because I don't see us making the kind of progress that we need to make in that direction. Uh, Social Security and Medicare are, I think, uh, essential to our retirement system, and they actually have been uh, successful. They are big parts of the re- the big parts of the reason why our retirement system actually is not uh, is not too bad. Um, but uh, at the moment, as you know, Social Security will run out of money, and Medicare will run out of uh, money. That doesn't actually mean that uh, people will stop getting benefits. I think there'll be some kind of uh, stopgap measure, even if the Trust funds run dry, but it it creates an uncertainty for people a feeling that they can't rely on these uh, programs and so I really wish Congress, both sides of the aisle would get together and the there's sort of a conspiracy where nobody wants to adjust benefits, nobody wants to raise taxes, and so we don't do anything about uh, getting these programs uh, under control and and making them secure for americans and I think that's uh, a a, a great pity and it is possible to do we can make some modest adjustments i'm not in favor of big cuts in these programs, but we can make some adjustments uh, in the cost of these programs that would be helpful and then in the end I think we may have to uh, raise the revenues a bit, which may mean uh, increasing the tax rate the FICA tax rate, and then nobody wants to do that but I don't see much of an alternative or, or else raising the cap the 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 uh, salary at which uh, Social Security uh, cuts out. So I think we're going to have to do some unpopular things to uh, get those programs uh, on track. And obviously, uh, it's very hard to to get uh, Washington sometimes to make do these unpopular <laughs> things. So, but but that would make a, a huge difference. And the other place that I've mentioned is uh, doing something about uh, the amount of uncertainty. Uh, faced by uh, people who retire, so one of the things that 's been found is that people who retire with a decent nest egg, maybe they have half a million dollars or a million dollars that 's quite a bit of money. Um, what do they do with that when they retire
0: right yeah well
1: a, a lot of times they don't spend it; they hold on to it um they sort of hoard it if you like. Uh, So they're not uh, allowing themselves to live as comfortably as uh, they could, given the hard work that they've had and the amount that they've uh, saved. And why is that? Well, we actually don't have a definitive answer to it, but I think the most likely answer is that they're worried that, uh, A, that they don't know how long they're going to live. So there's uncertainty about longevity. Um, Am I going to live until... Uh, I'm 85 or 90 or 95, and will I need, therefore, all of this money later? And the second uh, thing, of course, is uh, will I need to go into a nursing home, or if not a nursing home, uh, have some kind of full-time person come in and care for me uh, because I'm not able to look after myself? So people are are, uh, worried about that eventuality. And there are insurance markets that in principle ought to be able to solve that problem. One is to buy, uh, take at least part of your portfolio and uh, buy an annuity with it because that guarantees will last until you uh, until you die, perhaps until either you or your spouse, uh, both uh, you or your spouse die. So it covers both of you.
0: Break down uh, for a second, um, Martin, if you will, what an annuity is for those who, who, who maybe have never heard what that is.
1: Well, an ordinary income annuity is something that you buy. You can uh, buy it uh, along the way so you can make it part of your uh, retirement package, although unfortunately, um, most employers don't uh, offer that as part of their retirement uh, 401k plans. We would like it if more did. But even if they don't, as you get to retirement, uh, you can then take part of your A retirement saving, or all of it if you want to, but most people, I think, want to keep part of it um, uh, for their own control. And and you can buy an annuity. And what that is, is you pay over a certain amount of money to um, an annuity company or an insurance company. And in return, they promise to pay you a certain amount of money uh, every quarter or every month. And so you basically are getting a paycheck uh, on a regular basis that lasts uh, throughout your life. And uh, that's a regular income uh, annuity. And uh-
0: I have to tell you about my new obsession, Notion, our sponsor today. Notion has single handedly changed how I do life for the better. I use Notion for all my daily journaling so I can keep it all in one spot. I also keep all our favorite recipes that are budget friendly in Notion so I can easily sort and find the ones I love and easily create fast grocery lists. And okay. One of the best uses of Notion, you can create a template for your money dates and track your goals right in Notion. Seriously, Notion is a game changer. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but really getting inspired. It's an AI-powered workspace. It turns knowledge into action. You can use Notion to summarize meeting notes and auto-generate action items Get answers to questions in minute, and you can make all of your money tasks so much easier. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, freelance designer, starting a new startup, a student juggling classes and clubs, or just somebody really wanting to get your life together. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash etm, and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you're supporting our show, Notion.com slash ETM. So tell me, what are your money goals that you have for this year? Maybe you're like me and endlessly looking for a house to buy and you're focused on saving for a down payment or you're drooling over traveling somewhere tropical this year and you want to save to pay for it, or you're ready to leave your job and build your own business, so you're going to need some startup funds. Whatever your goals are this year, Monarch can help you reach them. In fact, the Wall Street Journal named Monarch the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. What I love about Monarch is it's simple and easy customizable design so the dashboard can look exactly the way you want it to. I'm also a big fan of creating custom budgets for things like travel. It's one of my favorite money tips and Monarch lets you do this so easily. This is such a great way to stay motivated when you've got a lot of money goals. You can easily track your progress with every dollar that you save or spend. Remember, your brain loves to see progress and you should celebrate it when you're saving money. And honestly, I am so focused on privacy, so I really admire that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties. This means a lot to me, and it should mean a lot to you as well. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of the show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's monarchmone dot etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I know I'm a bit biased, but honestly, I think I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust. She is a golden mountain doodle, and she is full of spunk and fun, and she's never met a ball she does not love. I honestly, I would do anything for Winnie, and she has enriched my life so much. I can... Confidently say, Winnie is absolutely one of the most priceless purchases I have ever made. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. In today's world, we insure a lot, from cars and homes to cell phones and even travel plans. But what about insurance for your cat or dog? With ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. This is what I call smart spending because let's be real, those vet bills, they can be expensive. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program, they've been around for about 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure your pet's plan is unique as they are. Because vet bills, they can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. It's simple. You use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCA petinsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCA petinsurance.com slash ETM. Again, that's ASPCA petinsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTC Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of
1: insurance. There are a lot of annuities sold. Uh, Unfortunately, not not that many are of that form. There are annuities that uh, really uh, don't really take that form. They're really something that... Um, more rich people use to uh, to uh, so that they can uh, cut back on their taxes. Um, and, and so it, the the annuity market is not working the way it should.
0: Go back a little bit to social security and talk a little bit about social security. you know I, I think for many of us, it feels like something that was sold um you know particularly to our parents or our grandparents generation as kind of this you know magic bullet that would provide um retirement funds that that would either make up for uh what we were getting from our private pensions or that we had saved in our retirement plans but as you mentioned that social security is is going to run dry and i think you know, you you talked about the sentiment that so many of us feel nervous. We're not sure what's going to happen when we get older. But there's a just sort of general um, misunderstanding of, of what Social Security is, why, why it was started, and maybe even like, why is it, why is it running out?
1: Well it actually was started um not as a as a way well it was started for complicated reasons i mean it was started um, by roosevelt in the 1930s and one of the motivations at the time uh was to encourage older people to retire because retirement hadn't really gotten going as a concept that much uh in the, by the 1930s uh so that's not necessarily a good reason uh today uh, also it was Um, On the contrary, in fact, we may want to encourage people to uh, keep working a little bit longer to make sure they have, that's another way uh, to to get a more secure uh, retirement. Also, it was meant to be, uh, I mentioned the three-legged stool, so it was sort of meant to go along with uh, company pensions and uh, private or individual uh, savings uh, to form um, that that combination of things which would provide it for an adequate uh, retirement. So it wasn't necessarily set up to be the sole source of income for retirees, even though for a lot of retirees today, or quite a few retirees today, it's their, either their sole source of income or their uh, main source of income. Uh, so it's, it's really sort of gone beyond, I think, what it was originally intended uh, for. Uh, remember, we did have reforms to Social Security. There was the Greenspan uh, Commission in the 1980s, and that was to put Social Security on an even keel for 75 years. Well, I can't quite do the arithmetic in my head. I'm not sure if we have gone 75 years. But, you know, he came, Greenspan and the, and the Commission came fairly close to setting it on track. Um, but it, it didn't anticipate those changes, didn't anticipate the fact. That uh, the birth rate has declined as much as it has, and people are living longer. But it's really the decline in the birth rate that has uh, changed the circumstances. So there are now a lot fewer young people uh, that are paying taxes into the system, uh, and a lot more people drawing benefits uh, out. So it, it was set up as a so called pay as you go system. So it wasn't set up where the amount that you paid in. Uh, it, it's not like the 401k. It's not really like a savings plan. It was that you pay taxes and then those taxes uh, from working people uh, are then used to pay the benefits to the retirees. So when there are more retirees and not as many workers, uh, that puts a big stress on the on the system. And we haven't really uh, learned to cope with that. And people are trying to Deal with that without uh, adjusting benefits or without adjusting taxes adequately to deal with that situation.
0: Right. So we just end up back at the same kind of mess (laughs) as we've been talking all about the retirement retirement system. We come back to politics and people, you know, not wanting to do certain things. Um, I'm also wondering, you know, I have a lot of listeners who uh, wrote in during the pandemic who were. Nervous about continuing to put in their retirement plans because they just didn't know what was ahead. You know, we were watching the news and and reading articles, and we just didn't know what was what was going to happen. And then, you know, 2021 came, and we felt a little bit better. And then 2022, and a lot of people got nervous about being laid off from their jobs and not sure if they're going to be able to keep their job, and so they continue to kind of pull back from from saving for retirement. But I'm wondering from from your expertise point of view. You know, how have you seen COVID and the pandemic impact our retirement? Have you ever wondered why we call French fries, French fries, or why something is the greatest thing since sliced bread? There are answers to those questions. Everything Everywhere Daily is a podcast for curious people who want to learn more about the world around them. Every day, you'll learn something new about things you never knew you didn't know. Subjects include history, science, geography, mathematics, and culture. If you're a curious person and want to learn more about the world you live in, Just subscribe to Everything Everywhere Daily, wherever you cast your pod. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right, daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads— the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So, why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts, and remember,
1: stay safe. Um, obviously, it's been a uh, huge and, and horrible event that has happened to us that we didn't anticipate anything uh, like this, and of course, the number of uh, deaths uh, including, of course, um, disproportionately among the elderly uh, population and the people in nursing homes. So it's really changed people's perceptions of of uh, the going into a nursing home because uh, that was where a lot of the, uh, the the deaths occurred. So it's it's really been just a, a terrible thing. And it's also, as you point out, uh, particularly in the early part of of the. Uh, When it first came along in 2020, a great many people lost their jobs. Um, I would point out that right now, the unemployment rate is 3.9%, which is the lowest that it's been since 1969. Uh, So there are plenty of jobs. And I think looking forward, uh, in part because um, a lot of uh, older people are going to be retiring, Uh, the demand for uh, workers is going to be pretty high. Uh, I'm not going to say we'd never have a recession. We might have a recession even this year. Uh, There will be ups and downs in the economy. Uh, But I think I would say to your uh, listeners uh, that the chances overall are going to be pretty good, that employment uh, prospects are going to be okay. Now, we we have some longer term trends going on. So, uh, we have a sort of a bifurcation in the labor market, if I can use that word, which is to say that, um, some people are doing really well in the labor market and a lot of people are not doing, uh, so well. So there's a split between, uh, those that are making, you know, 15, $20 an hour and those that are making, um, you know, $500 an hour. And that's a, uh, that's a big split. But nevertheless, I think it's fair to say, uh, that the demand for labor will be there. And if people can, um watch out for their skills make sure maybe they update their skills uh make sure they know what jobs are available and and perhaps uh sometimes be prepared to move uh the labor market prospects uh, should be reasonably good going forward now in terms of investments we already mentioned that um I don't think uh, anybody, and I don't like to make any specific predictions about what um, markets and, and uh, uh, bonds are going to do. But I think if you hold a mix uh, of uh, equities and uh, bonds, uh, favoring equities in your young years and then gradually shifting more into uh, bonds as you get older, uh, that's a pretty good way of ensuring that if you save at a decent amount. Then you will do. Uh, you will have enough money when you retire.
0: One of the reasons I was so excited to chat with you is you have a vast experience in economics, as you've already uh, just you know delighted us with uh, so much information. You even had a stint in the Clinton administration. You've really seen close up how our economy can be all over the place, uh, especially the last couple of years. I'm, I'm wondering if you could share with with everyone listening you know, maybe what are some of your most impactful money lessons that you've learned over the years of, of working in the administration's um, and just you know studying everything about economics
1: uh, gosh that's a, a big question and I'll uh, <laughs> try to do my uh, best to uh, to answer you on that um, I think the the thing that's um, i I think the thing I'd point to first of all is that i've always been uh, what's sometimes referred to as a, a neoclassical economist with a, a belief also that we need to use macroeconomic policy to keep things on an even keel um, in which uh, we we let people Um, find the jobs that are best suited to them, to make the investments that uh, they think are the right investments to make. Uh, People make decisions as individuals, as families, uh, that companies uh, seek out the best opportunities, both for profits and innovation, and to improve their own productivity. And that's the, the best way to run the economy and provide economic growth and provide the benefits for all of us. And I still fundamentally believe that. Um, but I'm also struck by the fact that as our economy changes, um, as the environment changes, uh, that there are ways in which we need to use uh, economic policy uh, to, to help people uh, improve the, the opportunities that they have. So provide good education, provide uh, training programs for people that need uh, training um to, um, I, I mentioned the, the, the nudge, so nudging people towards uh, making the right savings uh, decisions. So I think we need a combination of the benefits of the market system, which America has uh, really excelled at, uh, but also combined with uh, helping ordinary people and particularly, uh, I think, lower income people. Uh, that often don't have those opportunities, uh, giving them a helping hand.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about your book, The Retirement Challenge. I can only imagine how long it probably took you to compile <laughs> all the data and and write the book. Uh, tell us about you know your your journey to to write this this big book that really encapsulates our retirement system.
1: Well. Uh, I've studied a number of different things. As you said, I had a stint in the Clinton administration. I also had a a stint in one of the major uh, economic uh, consulting firms. So I've done some private sector uh, stuff and been in the government as well as uh, academia and at the Brookings Institution uh, where I am uh, now. And, and the topics I've studied, uh, one of the main ones was uh, productivity, which is an understanding how it's one of the main drivers of economic uh, growth. And I, I have always wanted to understand more about that and, and what we can do to improve uh, economic growth. But uh, I've been gradually getting older, as we all do, and uh, getting towards the end of my uh, career. And so I thought I'd like to do something that I felt was worthwhile and um, would uh, match with my own particular interests. So I linked up with uh, Ben Harris, who has uh, studied as a leading economist and who has studied uh, retirement issues for a long time. and uh, we got together and uh, with Brookings and uh, his position at the Kellogg School, which is uh, at Northwestern University, we ran a project which was supported by some foundations. Uh, and we brought people in uh some of the leading uh, economists from around the country around the world even and had them talk about uh some of these um retirement issues so we certainly didn't do it all ourselves we decided to enlist some of the best minds in the business uh and to learn from them and that's uh, gone on over uh i forget really about 3 years i suppose that went on and when we were finished with that we thought well We really should try to write up what we've learned in a book that we think may help ordinary people who are interested in these topics and uh, policymakers who are thinking about what changes uh, might be made. And so that's what led us to uh, put this uh, book together. So we were standing on the shoulders of of some experts. And uh, as you say, it was quite a bit of work to put it together.
0: (laughs) I can only imagine. (laughs) Well. We've talked about so much, and yet I know we have we haven't even scratched the surface of, of the retirement system and, and changes, but I think we have a, a much better kind of grasp on um, the system we have, maybe why it's not working so well and what we could do to to improve it. but for for everyone listening, I'm wondering if you could leave us with, you know some some takeaways or some action steps how do we make the most out of our retirement plan or options that we have available to us, given that the system might not be um, you know the best for us but it it's what we've got right now. How do we set ourselves up for success?
1: Well, um, I can't resist uh, uh, hoping that some of your readers will buy our book, The Retirement Challenge. Uh, I'm Martin Bailey, and Ben Harris is my uh, co-author. But let me try to give you a less uh, uh, self-centered uh, answer to your, your, <laughs> your question. Um, I wouldn't get too uh, caught up with the idea that Social Security is going to fail, the stock market's going to collapse, uh, and all that stuff. I, I think that, that those things will continue to provide support and that you need to take advantage of them. So uh, do the saving that uh, you need to do. If you haven't started in your 20s, then you can start in your 30s. If you haven't started in your 30s, you can start in your 40s. If you haven't started in your 40s, you can still start in your 50s. Another thing that we haven't mentioned I think is important is uh, don't uh, retire too early unless you really have a lot of money and you just want to retire. But if if you're a little bit thin on your retirement uh, assets, uh, wait a while before you retire and don't start collecting Social Security too early. If you start at age 62, you don't get much money. If you wait until 67 or 70, you get quite a bit more money, more than 70%. Uh, higher benefit if you wait to age seventy compared to age sixty two so don't start don't retire too early don't start collecting uh, social security uh, too early and in fact if you if you work a little bit longer that also gives you a bit more time to save and a little bit less time to uh, have to uh, support through your uh, retirement savings so that's important. And then the last thing I'd say is get some professional advice and have them really talk to you. Maybe I think your employers should do this uh, really is to get you, give you some advice about uh, how you need to make investments, what investments you should uh, follow. Uh, do you want to buy an annuity? Uh, do you want to buy a deferred annuity, which most people haven't heard of, but it's a, a useful thing? How do you want to use the value of your house? Because that's an important asset for you and uh, you can either sell your house uh, when you retire or you can uh, get out a reverse mortgage or something like that how do you take best advantage of the value of your house so how do you maximize um, those things and 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 what's your plan um, for long-term care if you need do you need to take an insurance policy on that uh, too uh, and so those things and then finally for goodness sakes, make sure the people you vote for are going to tackle the problems that we need uh, tackling. And those are not just the problems of old people. We've got a lot of problems of young people. But make sure that uh, you say to those uh, people that you're voting for, look, you need to uh, take a look at Social Security and Medicare and do something about them. Don't just say, oh, we're going to cut this or cut that. Or don't just say, oh, we're going to raise taxes. Let's Do this in a sensible way and put those uh, programs on on an even keel.
0: You know, Martin one one last thing I want to ask you. And you know, as I and I'm sitting here and I'm listening to your your amazing advice, I'm also thinking that probably a lot of people they get scared too when they think about retirement and all of the things that we have to think through. Maybe give us just a little. I don't know words of wisdom or a little inspiration you know for listening to this conversation and maybe we're feeling a little bit nervous as we can often do around money how do we how do we balance that so that we don't get caught up in those those emotions around money
1: um well, it's it's uh, it's hard not to get caught up in emotions around money, and so I'm not. Uh, you know, I, I'm. I think we all do that to some extent, and and are concerned about it. But I think the main thing to say is that if you take the right steps, and it doesn't mean you have to do them today or tomorrow. But if you eventually take the right steps, you can ensure yourself a nice secure retirement that is within your grasp, and. Have confidence in yourself. uh, Find out as much information as you can and see if you can make uh, good decisions. And if you do those things, you will have done the best you could. And I think in the end, you will have a secure retirement and you won't have to worry so much.
0: Has your answer changed from my first question? How do you feel about how much you've saved for retirement? Still excited, freaked out, or still somewhere in between? What I love is that Martin is not telling you that you have to have saved X dollars by X date or age. Instead, his advice is just to start saving and stop worrying so much about will Social Security be there? Will I have enough? And all of those other puzzling questions. Sure, you want to have enough saved to last you through retirement. So with a system that is obsolete, at the end of the day, you just got to do what's best for you and the best that you can. You can find Martin's book, The Retirement Challenge, on Amazon, and I have to say, it is definitely worth a read. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with somebody else and help set them free a little bit from this idea that retirement is scary, right? Help invite them into this idea that the system is obsolete, so let's just do the best we can. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to my episode guest, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode.